Rally family, we're here. Season one of the Rally Podcast is over, and we are now stepping into season two of the Rally Podcast. And for the first episode, we're going to be talking about mental health with our friends Austin Duffy and Lee McDermott. Um, we hope that more than anything that this podcast will help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Um, thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome to a second season of Rally Roundtables. I'm your host this morning. My name is Austin Duffy, and I'm sat here with our Greenville campus pastor at New Spring Church, Lee McDermott. Lee, tell us, what do we need to know about you? <laughs> well, A, I'm thrilled to be here, and B, my, you know, the, the most important things about me are I've been married to my beautiful wife, Allie, for nine years. I have two kids, Gray and Lucy, my son and daughter, five adorable. and three. And they, they are extraordinarily beautiful children. And, and smart. And, and they are smart. Uh, most of the time. Truly, truly impressive. <laughs> so um, we, we've curated some questions. We've got some topics for this second season that we're excited to dive into. And today, we're going to be talking about mental health. We've got a second part coming next week. So listen to that, watch that. And so, Lee, I just want to kick straight into it and ask you, you know, how would you describe mental health? And could you speak to maybe some of the different stigmas across generations around it? Yeah. I mean, if you... I, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't claim to have any sort of like clinical definitions for what mental health is. But the way I understand it, just from a pastoral perspective, is that mental health is basically the state of your mind, will, and emotions. The same way that you would think about, okay, what's my physical health doing? Like you can go to the doctor, you can see all these metrics, blood pressure, cholesterol, all that stuff, and you can kind of get a good picture of what your physical health is and you know how you feel. Mental health is kind of a similar state. There can be some you know, like to a greater or lesser degree if you feel ill, you know what I mean, in, in one of those ways. I think that from a stigma perspective, mental health does not have the same type of negative, the conversation around mental health does not have the same negative stigma for Generation Z right now. The 18 to 25-year-old sort of demographic does not have that negative stim stigma that it had for uh, Generation X and the baby boomers. Me being in my 40s, I'm a you know member of G Generation X. I went to high school in the 90s, and uh, the millennials really and truly kind of kicked the door open for m the conversation around mental health to be much more normative. You know what I mean? It's okay to talk about the fact that I'm anxious or I'm depressed or you know some more of these more serious things. I, I was thinking about this earlier too, like. When I was growing up in elementary, middle school, and high school, I did not know a single person who had ever been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and had been on medicine wow. for it. So think about that. Yeah. Like that, the diagnosis of that and the, the medical treatment for even uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, I mean, I think for millennials and for Generation Z, there's, I mean, that's uh, like much more common and frequent to treat Definitely. that, you know, uh, but in large part for good for a lot of people. But for me and my generation, it was never talked about. It was always dealt more from a behavioral sense. And um, so anyway, I, I just feel like the millennials opened a, a great doorway for Generation Z to be able to get the help they need and to think about mental health in a much more everyday kind of context. It's just right. not taboo to talk about it. Right, there's a massive opportunity right now yeah, in the in space and in time and and as we're like getting into that, I'm 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 curious and thinking about okay, so mental health seems like almost a new idea, but it's totally not. You know right. what I mean? Because it's right. like it's just stormed into being. Um, 
you know, uh, totally okay to, mm-hmm. to talk about, yeah. which is an amazing, amazing thing. But obviously this is something that exists as long as humanity has, oh, yeah. right? And yeah. so first thing I want to look at with some of this is the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious, what does the Bible have to say about mental health or, or does, is there nothing in it? I mean, it's, it's trem- there's a tremendous amount in the Bible about, about mental health. I, I, the, the conversation around mental health, I think for so many years, really was squashed down by the church. It felt like you just needed to have enough faith or you, need, you know, those type of things, you just kind of kept them hidden in a closet. But now there's this beautiful opening up of the church to be able to deal with those issues in a helpful way. And the Bible does have so much help. Jesus in specific has so much good stuff to say. I mean, even in the example of his own life, I mean, you look at the anguish that he was feeling in the garden as he is praying, God, please take this cup from me. I mean, there's a lot of people who can relate to that. If you've ever been depressed, if you ever had just crushing physical anxiety, even in our Lord and Savior, who was God himself on earth, he looked that stuff square in the face, took it to God, and then was victorious over it. So, I mean, there's, there's this, I find in the Bible more examples in the lives of the people who were walking out. If, you, you know, if, if you've been struggling with depression or anxiety, all you need to do is just take a little trip through the Psalms and you can be like, yeah, I feel what this guy is talking about. You know what I mean? Psalm 42, my soul, why are you so downcast within me? You know what I mean? Like all your waves and breakers have, have, have crashed over me. I mean, like somebody who is deeply depressed, who can't get out of bed in the morning, you feel like you are underwater. And the Bible has this imagery for it. The end of that psalm says it's like my hope, like hope again, hope again. Believe that there's going to, to come something different. It's just like pointing to God being the ultimate medicine for our life. If you read through Proverbs, I mean, it gives so many instances of, of how to deal with anxiety, with, with depression, with this sort of the... Uh, uh, you know, to, I, I don't, I don't want to be crass with saying this word, but the insanity of a normal life is right there in the pages of, a, of the Bible. And what we see is revealed a God who cares about it. So, so the thing, when you're, when you're in the middle of a mental health crisis, one giant lie you can believe is that God is simply, he just doesn't care. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Right, Could so not be farther there's from the this, truth. Like, this thing that's built up where it seems like the Bible or God and then talking about mental health or specifics around it or doctors missing that these things are at war, you know, talking about having enough faith. So how have you seen those things, um, you know, come together and partner in that, how, like how, where's the unity in that and, and why is it not yeah. separate? Well, the, the thing that the Bible does that, that I think is so important is that it gives you clues toward what holistic health is, physical, mental, spiritual, the Bible points toward all of those things and has advice and answers for all of it. And uh, I think that can be sort of the downfall sometimes in our modern era to where like, you know, I, so, so I'll just give you an example from my own story. In 2014, you know, like the pace of my life kind of caught up with me. And in the fall of 2014, like the cortisol, you know, hormone was running so hard in my, in my body that like I actually lost vision in one eye, lost complete wow. vision in one eye. I was having like three or four panic attacks every single day, which is like tightness in the chest, elevated blood pressure and heart rate, sweaty palms, just the erratic, you know, kind of thinking that goes along with it. And so I had to stare down, okay, what does holistic health look like? Because when when anxiety begins to manifest itself physically in your body, like it begins as, as thoughts in the mind. 
those things kind of can get out of control, but then after a while, months, years of the same repeated thought patterns, it begins to manifest itself physically. And that can happen in different ways. Other people, it's from singular trauma, like if, if a parent dies or you know, something happens like this, this one singular trauma can create that. It can also have, like what it did for me was it was one year stacked upon another of increased stress levels that became the new normal. And then finally, just it took just average everyday things that would just send me over the edge. Mm. So the thing that I, that I feel like the Bible does did for me was help me understand I'm not going to solve this just by going the doc, to the doctor and getting prescribed a pill. I need that, and there's evidences in the Bible. Paul tells Timothy, he's like, don't drink only water, but take a little wine also for your frequent ailments. I mean, this is Paul, you know, he's not berating Timothy for not having enough faith, you know, mm-hmm. for, his, for his own ailments. He's like, no, that's, like, this is what medicine is for. So I, you know, I, I took medicine, but I also knew I need to go to a counselor, to a therapist, to help me work through these thought processes. Also, I needed to change some of my habits Physically, I needed to remove some things from my calendar, restrict the amount of travel that I was doing. Um, man, this was, this was crazy. I needed to do some soul work and forgive a lot of people that I'd held bitterness against. That was a big part of what was like eating, my, eating me alive. So I needed to go back and be like, okay, Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your forgiveness of me. I'm going to forgive everybody. Like, I'm not holding any offense toward anybody anymore. And that was a part of the freedom and that, so it was like multifaceted. Right, it's all connected. It's all connected. I mean, you know, you can, if you start to have these physical issues, you can just treat the physical issue, but what's happening up here doesn't shift. Mm-hmm. And that, that just signs you up for a lifetime of being dependent on those medicines or that, that particular thing. Um, yeah, so. tell, tell, tell me even more about your personal experience. I think that that'd be so related, you know, so, so easy for people to relate to. Yeah. Um, what, could you chart through like the rest of that journey? Because you explained how it kind of kicked off yeah. and then you, you kind of hit every facet of your life you realized. Yeah. So do you feel like you've like come through something oh, yeah. or could you tell Abs- us about this? Absolutely. So the, the, basically the, the run of that was I started taking a, a medicine called Celexa, which is a you know, very common antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. Um, serotonin reuptake inhibitor is, is kind of what okay. it's called more technically. And what it does is it helps your body begin to make ser- more serotonin to be able to combat and stabilize your moods. So it's kind of like it compressed the, it gave me a little bit more room with the stigma of my day. I didn't have as high of highs and I also didn't have as low of lows. And what that did was it gave my body a little bit more space to be able to handle reacting to that stuff so that when I took away that stigma by restricting my calendar, being more disciplined with that stuff, you know, operating in forgiveness, drinking less caffeine. I mean, there was like things in my diet that needed to shift too just because all that stuff was working chemically inside. What happened was I, I kind of made a deal. I was like, I'm not going to be on this forever, but we're going to go. And then when my counselor and my doctor tell me, okay, we think you're ready to come off this medicine, we'll come off it gradually and see where we are. So I, I was on it for about 18 months. <clears throat> and then, you know, by the end, of, I mean, and, and what happened was 2015 turned into be the best, one of the best years of my life. Wow. It was like, so everything was such a dramatic turnaround in just a couple of months after taking that medicine, going to counseling, getting a, a, those other things right. Um, and then, so at the end of that, I mean, I was nervous to come off the medicine, obviously. Uh, but what I realized was that what I stood to gain was so valuable because I needed those highs back again. 
And for me, I, I want to feel the depths of what you can feel. I didn't want to be scared of that. I don't want to be afraid of that. I wanted, like if, if I needed to feel deeply sad over something, then I wanted to have access to that. that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but mainly the highs. You know, I wanted to be able to like, you know, get all <laughs> the way, volume, full yeah, yeah, full volume, full color, 100%. So gradually coming off of that, it was like all those things returned and I was a little nervous. I was like, am I gonna start having panic attacks again? Mm -hmm. But I would face this massive, I mean, these massive things that happen. So what would you do in that moment when, when you feel start to manifest again? Well, some help some maybe practical tips for people who so are struggling with my, that. So my thinking began to shift. So kind of back up a little bit. Some of the instruction I got when dealing with a panic attack was, we're not gonna try to worry about controlling breathing at all. That just makes things worse. But when it comes to a panic attack, what I, what I was taught was that a panic attack is actually your body's method of keeping you alive, not killing you. Mm -hmm. So what I learned to begin to say was when I would feel it come on, um, my palms sweaty, breathing starts to increase, I start to feel like I need to get out of the room that I'm in, I would remember, this is not dangerous, this is just uncomfortable, and I can be uncomfortable for about 20 minutes. What a powerful And sure enough, it would awesome. just kind of settle me down and so at the end of, you know, like after taking Selexa for a little while, coming to the end of that year, you know, if I started to feel a little bit of it happen, I would just be like, this is not dangerous. Okay, this, we're fine. And it was wild. So by the time I came off of Selexa, I haven't had another panic attack since then. That's awesome. So, so it, it really was a journey into total freedom, but it was, it was growth. I had to grow. Right, and like, it's crazy how much it's almost like any other, like a broken leg, about how yeah, man. you know you expect it to, yeah, to progress in some way if you're doing what you know you yeah. need to do to take care of it. There's there's rehabilitation involved, sure, and and you become a, a different person on the other side of it. So, what would you say to yeah. diagnoses that are like seemingly permanent? Like if somebody. If a doctor says you are this, and yeah. it's, it's like a, a lifelong kind of thing. For, for some of the, those are real. Yeah. That's the first thing I want to say is that some of those diagnoses are real. Um, and like my doctors and everything, they gave me the kind of the overlay of, or the overview of what my issue was, and there was a pathway to get to so where I would be know. medicine free. Mm -hmm. For anyone who has sort of received a diagnosis from a doctor that says, hey, look, this is probably going to be something that lasts for your whole life because there is a legitimate chemical imbalance you have. That needs to be treated with tremendous grace, acceptance, and not as a sign of God's disapproval of your life. That's great. Like, a part of his grace and his love and his care for someone like that is that he has provided for medicine to be there to be able to correct that balance. And that's a part of redemption uh, for that person. So to anybody who is experiencing that, I would say, man, trust God's grace. Listen for his voice to tell you, I love you. You're my beloved child. This is a part of my grace for you. This is actually a question that we got in um, from social media, and it was around, how do I know if God is putting me th through something or if it's just me? Sure. I, you know, I, I really do believe that God is, is totally sovereign and that, you know, you see, and I, I think this is in Isaiah, he says, I form light and darkness. I, I create blessing and disaster, all the, all the same things. That's a safe place, truly. If you think about God being good, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, his mysterious ways, the thing that he intentionally allows into our lives are always going to turn out for our good. But I think it is dangerous for us to look at that and to say, oh God, you're the reason why I'm anxious right now. Because that's not necessarily true. There are a bunch of different factors. When I, when I was facing panic attacks every day, when I couldn't see out of this eye correctly, 
I did not blame God for that. I think it's very, very important. I knew that I would not be healed if I blamed God. I needed to actually go to him, ask him what was going on, and like a good father, he would say, well, son, some of your own choices like led you into this. Your repeated choice over years of, of this thing. Or uh, I know for some people, like what has been done to them is a reason, is, a, is an underlying source of their mental illness. And if you can hear a loving father whisper to you and say, this thing that happened to you when you were younger is the source of why you had this breakdown later. Mm -hmm. Then it's not that it's like God is the one who's doing it to you. He's actually your helper in that moment to, you know, and the best thing that somebody can do is to say, okay, how can I partner with you in my own healing? What insight do you have for me? Because there's like, if we will lean into that partnership and healing, what you find is there is a, I mean, a deep well of strength that gets built inside of you in the journey of it, right? So if someone were to say, why is God doing this to me? I'd be very gentle with them in that and just be like, hey, I understand why you're feeling. Why don't we ask God what's really going on? So good. And then just pause, look at the scriptures, see what the scriptures have to say. One of the hardest things for, for any human being is to admit when they are complicit in their own illness. If someone can take responsibility for their own actions, man, their steps toward healing are just, I mean, just sped up. So that's, you know, anyway, I, I don't no, know if that answers that question. It totally does. And it, it, I think it is so helpful for us to, to, you know, not just take a role of victim in everything all the yeah. time, but to figure out how do we, um, you know, partner with the victor and and yeah. walk through something. And I, and, and I think the only thing that maybe is left on, like, I would love to hear more about is for the people in that situation where it is more like a, a lifelong thing, the same way it might be like, oh, you were born without yeah. a limb or something. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this is something that you've got to, yeah. how do you, you know, speak and make, make peace with or what should be the frame of mind around You that? said it. I think it's, it is making peace and beginning to love and believe about yourself the way that God does. Beautiful. Because, I mean, Psalm 139 gives you this picture that God is not, has not made no accidents in how he has, like, arranged the life of, of any of his kids. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that I, I would invite someone who is, who is coming up against that is to go to God and to say, okay, Lord, this is my life. I want to love it as much as you love it. I want to believe that there's glory in it as much as you believe there's glory. I want to like it as much as you like it. So will you help me with that? Will you tell me what you think about my life? And then I'm just going to agree with you. Anyone who has ever leaned into that conversation, what they find is this outpouring of care and love and detailed yes. affection that happens. And then what the, the only thing you've got to overcome then is like, okay, I'm going to believe all these crazy things you said about me, God, and let's go change the world, you know? Mm. So then it, it just it overcomes any of those what would you say to somebody who's maybe been a Christian for a long time or maybe is like, feels like they were and now they're on the fence or something and when they do go to God in any way, shape, or form, they don't, they, they can't even register they can't a, hear a, a loving they word from him. I, I, I completely understand that. And, and I think even in that, you have to give yourself some grace. If someone was like, I want to hear God's voice, but when I begin to pray, my mind is so jumbled up and I don't know, even know where to begin, I would say, go to the scriptures and, and look at what God has to say from the scriptures. Ask him to speak to you there. And that is a faster way to get to catch God's heart toward you 
than just like sitting quiet sometimes and then just sort of like trying to discern what's happening inside your own, mm-hmm. your own That's mind. so good, Lee. Yeah. I'd love to ask you one more question to give you some space to, to, to go on this. You know, um, Josh Bull, uh, you know, who, who leads our Rally Ministry, he was sharing with us this vision that he had around uh, for 2021, especially that the time is now, okay? And, and what he means by that is, uh, well, you, you put it very, you very bluntly yourself, said it means don't wait, right? Yeah. And uh, his vision connected to this was around how Rally, the young adults ministry of New Spring Church, you know, might feel like three or four years old, but in reality, it's more like 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are listening or watching, Lee's the first ever staff member yeah. of New Spring Church 21 years ago. Is that true? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, and um, where you were there right at the beginning. Yeah. And so really, Rally is, is not three or four years old. It was it's a ministry started by young adults, mm-hmm. you know, and it didn't have the name or the form that it does yeah. now. So what would you say to... Um, this generation of young adults as we and they and all of us try to pioneer again and continue on in, in connecting the legacy that you guys have already yeah. laid out a path for. I mean, I was, I was 22, you know, when New Spring started. So I was rally. I was rally. When you were rally. Started, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I would have been in that group. That's all of us, you know. Um, the, and New Spring's founding verse is, is in so many ways a... a biblical statement about the fact that the future is now. So it's like God is saying, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. It's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. That is a statement of the future is now. Now it's something, something is, (coughs) excuse me, something is happening right now. And so in 2021, for rally, my encouragement to, to rally is to receive that word for yourself personally. The future is now. And, and what that means, I think, is like you just get to go to God and say, okay, Lord, if the future is now, I'm not waiting any longer. What, what, do you, what adventure do you have in front of us? What adventure do you have in front of me? I'm ready to lay, lay hold of it. And uh, I'm, you know, no need to wait. Come on. Yeah. That is so good. And thank you so much, Lee, for this. It has been um, such a blessing to get to talk with you. I could do it for hours and hours. And, mm-hmm. and for you guys listening or watching, so much of the content that we curate is from your questions that you ask us on social media. And so I just want to thank you for, for getting involved there, for sending them in. Please keep doing that as we continue to journey through this life and through this world together and embrace that the future is now as a, as a people and as a young adult in uh, New Spring Church in this day and age in, in 2021. We're so excited for it. Lee, you're the man. I love, I love you. Love you, Austin. See you guys. Thank you for joining the Rally Podcast and listening to this conversation that we had about mental health. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing. Mm-hmm.